It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Today, we have a special guest. I know I say it every week, but every guest is special. Uh, he is a Brooks Run Happy team member with me. Um, you know, we met through Instagram, social media, started chatting back and forth. Uh, he's also an ultra runner, so we had a lot in common. And then uh, I was just sitting at the Bighorn 100 this year at Jaws, and I look up, and there is this individual in all these crazy bright colors. And I was just said, Aaron? And all of a sudden, he turned around, and we struck up a conversation. It's like, what a small world it is. So uh, it's cool just uh, to be able to put a, uh, not a virtual face, but a real face to someone, have a cool conversation. Um, and then, you know, we decided let's, let's have him on the podcast. So welcome, man. Hey guys, thanks for having me here. I will say when I did see you at Jaws, someone from Hawaii who's used to only being usually 75 degrees or colder or cooler as a cold temperature, I'm pretty sure it was about in the thirties at that time. So I was probably wearing, I think I was wearing four layers at that time. So <laughs> glad to be back in warmer temps. <laughs> Yeah, uh, when I was up there, uh, you know, coming from Alaska, I thought that I'd be fine. But something about being at elevation and uh, having, you know, those temperatures that I hadn't been used to, I guess, in a couple weeks, months, I was, yeah, I was cold myself. I had my big puffy jacket on. And I'm actually glad I brought my puffy jacket because we're running it the year prior. I remember how cold it was at Bajal. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be ready for this one. Yeah, I was glad uh, we were able to run because I was waiting for my friend Andrea, who I paced and crew for. And I was sitting in the in the pacer tent, going, "Oh my gosh, when am I gonna be able to move again?" And as soon as I got my name called, and then ran the tent with her and ran back out, I was probably warmed up in about like fifteen minutes. But I had not been in that cold temperature, gosh, in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my wife always gets mad at me because when I come into an aid station, I always want to like I'll put a jacket on while I'm sitting there. And I'll always want to leave with it because I'm still cold. And she's like, no, don't leave with it because you'll be you'll be burning up in about 10 steps. And I was sitting there at that aid station and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm starting my pacing gig here. I had my puffy jacket. on. I was like, maybe I should just take my puffy jacket with me. I, we didn't even make it out of the aid station. And I was like, thank you. I did not want to not take it. I, I couldn't even imagine carrying that thing for the next 18 miles. <laughs> it would have been awful. When, when I left Jaws, I had a... A bunch of gear on because i was worried about the the pace i was gonna be going at and i regretted the choice of putting on tights and having a big thicker coat on because about a mile in <laughs> i was ready to take it all off too well aaron uh let, let's get a little bit of a uh, little bit of history about you how did you uh how did you get into running so yeah originally uh when i moved to dc washington dc back in 2013 i'd done some sports in college and i figured i still want to do something competitively so Ran my first half marathon in 2013. I think it was the, the Woodrow Wilson Bridge half marathon that goes from Virginia into or Maryland to Virginia. I did that, and then I was like, I want to do a marathon the next year. So I uh, joined the marathon training group that fundraises for uh, blood cancer research, uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So it's called Team and Training. They're usually a lot of the bigger marathons across the country. So I did Team and Training, did the Marine Corps Marathon the first time. I was aiming to do around, I think, like 3.30 or 3.45. And I did like a 4.45 because I like blew up really badly <laughs> on like the last like 10K, as one does as, during their first marathon. 
Yep. So I did that. And then like ever since then I've been hooked on it, but so I did a lot more kind of mostly only road running until, you know, it came out to her here to Hawaii. So I did, I think up to before I came to Hawaii, I think I probably did about seven or so road marathons. I think it sounds about right. And then once I moved to Hawaii in uh 20 or 2019, I started getting more in the trail running here since I you know, only live three miles from some of the most beautiful mountains you could possibly find. What, so took, you to did the, what took you to Hawaii? Uh, work out, actually. I kind of had a career change or kind of a, a shift in my career. Still like working in the same area, but I had an opportunity to come out here. And so my wife will tell you, anyone this, every time I tell the story, but she, I didn't really want to come out here originally. I was like, oh man, it's going to be expensive. It's far from family. We've never been there before. How are we going like, to you know, find a place to live and stuff like that? And so then eventually we kind of decided, all right, well, we'll come out here. You know, accepted, accepted the job. Moved out here right before the pandemic in November of 2019. And so we lived in an Airbnb for a couple of months before we found our own place. And then, yeah, during that time, though, there was no races. I think by the time like that spring came around, COVID had hit. So there was no races for the first year, except for I think they had like the the virtual option for the Honolulu marathon. So I did that as kind of like a challenge, but besides that, that was just nothing else out here. So that was kind of the main reason. And then originally I thought we'd only be here for two years and, uh, and I'll be going on year four in November. So here we are. Nice. Nice. Where is, uh, is, is DC? Is that, is that your home area where you where you would call home? No, I originally grew up in Rhode Island. Uh, so most all my family or majority of it is still in kind of the new England area. And so, yeah, I was up there, lived there for majority of my life. And then my parents kind of moved around for my, my dad's career and stuff. But yeah, I went to DC in 2013 originally because I was uh, doing grad school. And so made that transition. And then, yeah, I thought I'd be there probably for the rest of my life until this opportunity came. And now I'm kind of iffy if I ever want to go back there because <laughs> traffic's pretty rough. <laughs> no, which island? Oh, which island? Oh, sorry, uh, Oahu. So oh, yeah, okay. where Honolulu is, yeah. But I've been to all the islands except for or the ones you can go on, except for uh, Lanai, which is a small one off the coast of Maui, and then Molokai is the other one where they it kind of the history is known for. They had victims of Hansen's disease that have been there before. So the only two I haven't been to yet, but hoping to go there eventually. So when you uh, you got to Hawaii, uh, COVID kicked off, and I'd assume that that was kind of when you were just like, well, let me go explore these trails and see what this is all about. So the real way I got into trail running, so yeah, yeah during 2020, nothing was really happening. So I kept mostly doing uh, road running throughout that year until I got my first pair of trail shoes, I think end of, I want to say towards the latter half of 2020. And then, so I was all right, got these new trail shoes as the Brooks Catamounts that I had. So I tried some trails, kind of the easier ones, like really kind of flat for the most part, in, in my view, I'd consider flat. And it was pretty fun, you know, something different, different scenery and stuff like that. And I wasn't used to, you know, getting, you know, dirty and kind of jumping over all these piles of mud and stuff like that. And then since there was no races around, so I was waiting for 2021 to see what happened. And COVID here was pretty strict, I think, compared to the restrictions were a little bit stricter compared to other states. And so once 2021 rolled around, most of the races still hadn't been around, like weren't, weren't happening. A lot of the road races still were being kind of, you know, shut down or, you know, deferred till the next year. And so there was uh, the, the Hurt Series, the Hawaiian Ultra Running Team uh, Hurt Ser- or Trail Series here. They were still having their races for the majority of that of 2021. So I jumped in my first one, which was called Vise uh, Top of Tantalus. It's about like a 10K race with about, I think it's maybe two, 
thousand to twenty five hundred feet of elevation gain. Wow. It's a very fast race for out here. But it was a really fun one. I had a blast. It was like so much fun, kind of different terrain and kind of, you know, blasting it down all the hills and stuff. And ever since that time, I've been trying to do almost all of them ever since. And so I actually just did a hurt race yesterday. And so the, it's a really fun series out here. If you ever have a chance to come visit and you can align yourself to a trail race weekend, highly recommend it. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, so once you got that trail running bug and you went to the, uh, went to the ultra running bug click on the even bigger bug <laughs> yeah, i feel like the so... trail running bug kind of just crawls up you and you're like hey what's going on guy and then the <laughs> ultra running bug is like a as big as your backpack and he's just on you waiting right. you down. <laughs> so yeah once i started doing some of the hurt trail series races uh gained a lot of friendships through there and the biggest theme i came across was everyone was a uh, was an ultra runner except for me and i was like man i gotta get in this <laughs> ultra game over here and I think, I think almost everyone that I met had done the Hurt 100, the 100 miler here, and all, probably a few other ones in between. I was like, all right, I want to see like, what this whole you know, ultra game is. I think maybe I'd do like 100K. That'd probably be the first I ever go. So I want to run that long for 12 plus hours. That seems insane to me. And so, yeah, I was trying to pick, pinpoint kind of a few races. And I figured, all right, maybe I'll try to do one that's kind of close to the home. And Hurt 100, you have to apply for with certain requirements. And so... There's another race that I did. My first one was uh, called Under the Moon 100K on the Big Island. Uh, and so it's kind of like, it's a very low-key race. It's self-supported. So you basically have your own crew in a car and you kind of run the course from Hilo on the Big Island to Waimea. So it goes on one uh, road, pavement road from both of those towns. And you basically run in the middle of the night. You go from like 5 p.m. to whenever you finish. And you go between, you basically run through uh, the Mauna Loa, Mauna Kea, the two mountains there. And it's a really beautiful scenery. The whole point is that it's always scheduled when you run essentially under the moon, when it's a full moon. So it's really beautiful. You don't really need a headlamp for most of it when it's nighttime. And so took on that challenge. Probably the last time, or I tell up myself now, but that might be the only time I ever run that long of an ultra all on pavement because I think I'm allergic to pavement at this point. <laughs> but it was a blast though. Like I had my wife Hannah, she was one of the crew members as well as my friend Andrea who helped or who I helped at um Big Horn. And so they kind of tag team between, you know, they'd drive up a certain mileage, meet me there. I would say, I'm good to go, or you know, you know, hey, can I have this snack or this new jacket and stuff. And so it was going real well for a while. I think after the half marathon point, I started, I just, my stomach wasn't doing too well. I wasn't really eating enough, I think. And so, but then the, the race director, Alex Barnett, she kind of, she was pregnant at the time. And so she kept telling me, you know, I'm going through morning sickness every day. You cannot tell me you have an upset stomach and you can't run. <laughs> so kind of making me keep going. So it's good to have her for a few miles. And so, cause she was helping the whole race. Cause it's like, you can do the hundred K, you can do a 50 K. I think there's another distance you can do too. So it's kind of like multiple races, but they start at different times throughout the night. And so I did that race. I think I did about 12 hours and 23 minutes. I wanted to do under 12, but I think the stomach thing kind of was the biggest issue for me. It was really cool. By the time I was going for the last downhill, there was a big strawberry moon. And like, if you know anything know about Hawaii, like a lot of the, the land there is very sacred. and has a lot of meaning to it. So it was kind of cool to be between you know, Mauna Loa, Mauna Kea, which are two prominent uh, mountains and volcanoes kind of being there in, in that kind of area was really pretty and so after i did that i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna apply for uh the hurt 100 uh the upcoming year and after that that was the next one i did i did the another one before then another one called peacock 55 ever since i did the uh, under the moon though i was like man that's all i want to do now is these ultra things they're pretty fun to do 
I just want to say that uh, you're real humble about this because I just looked on your your results and he opened up his ultra running debut with a first place finish. I will say that I was the only runner in that race. <laughs> <laughs> that is a caveat in there. Yeah, there's supposed to be another woman who was supposed to do the 100 mile or the 100K with me. I think because it was like still COVID times, a lot of folks either were afraid to travel then or something like that. But a lot of folks did the 50. But yeah, I've, if you look at Ultra Sniper, there's a, a, one, a first place finish. But I'm pretty sure there's a, a caveat in there saying like less than 10 finishers. I will <laughs> I will admit I was the only runner during that time. So DFL and a first place finish. <laughs> nice, nice. That's that's hard to do. That's really that's hard to say. do. That's true, do that. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I, di I didn't dig that deep in there, so... No, no, I appreciate the shout out though. As I'm looking at, I opened it up and you're right. There's a hundred percent. There's a did not, there's one did not start. And then you, <laughs> that's funny. Hey, that's a claim to fame right there. I actually have a first place finish and a DNA or a DFA. Exactly. Yeah. That's on my uh, running resume right there. <laughs> oh, that's great. Did you get an extra award for that? Yeah, actually, she actually gave out awards, uh, Alex, the race director. That's cool. It's like, um, you know, the, the Luna sandals, the kind of the minimalist sandal. So yeah. she, uh, I got a gift certificate to that. And so I got myself a pair of Luna sandals, which are pretty awesome. Not that I run like the Western States in the Marine thing like that, but they're pretty cool to uh, walk around at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't get the whole running sandal thing. I've, I I have a pair and I've tried to run in them. Oh, man. I, I good for those it. people my feet are trashed <laughs> I, I will I will actually say that I was wearing them one day uh I was I was down at the at the bar and I was wearing them and we had a 5k the next day and they were like I bet you won't run the 5k in those sandals and I did and I won the race <laughs> <laughs> oh no way man oh, yeah. but I'm telling you you're talking about up. running trail running sandals on pavement at a Ooh. fast pace yeah that uh my feet were trash for the next couple of days. <laughs> my calves worth too. It. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, it totally was worth it. <laughs> so after uh, after under the moon, you got the you got the bug crawled on your back. You ran the Peacock fifty five k, or is it fifty five miles? No miler. So okay. the way that one one is, uh, some people will tell you that that one's harder than the Hurt one hundred, just because of how hot it can get. I know I've told you to do that one if you get out here because you don't need a requirement yeah. to the reg or the apply for it. So yeah, you can do the half peacock, which is so the peacock is basically it's um it's there's a peacock loop they do. It's about twenty seven and a half miles ish or so, and you basically yeah you kind of it's all on the the most northwestern part of the island. So it's like it's hot hot up there. I mean, I would say in a bright sunny day like today, no summertime, it, it feels like ninety plus for sure if you're in the in the baking heat. So yeah, you do the half peacock, which is just one loop, or you do the full peacocks, you do two, and there's you know. From the worst part in my view, there's like one place called Long Road, which is when you get up in the trail and then you do maybe about, I think, 13 miles in the trail. And there's one section you get back onto this long road that kind of goes up to, um, it's not an observatory, but it's like where basically a long road that kind of leads up to like a, a weather satellite tower place, place where like NOAA, a, a government organization that does weather stuff. And so you go on that road, and you can basically go four miles down to the, the Long Road aid station, where it's like one of the bigger aid stations there. And that road, like the, the four down, the four back up. I mean, the four down's fine because you're going on downhill, but the four miles up, and you got to do that twice, obviously, for the race because it's two loops. And that the, that uphill is like the worst. It's not like terrible of a grade, like of an incline, but you are exposed the entire time. And luckily, there's like mile markers you can see on the road because you know where you're going. But 
that's probably the worst part in, in my view of the race. But it's a fun race, though. I mean, there's only – I forget how many people do it each year. I think it's probably not that many, maybe 100 or so on a, on a good year. It's a pretty challenging race. And so people will tell you, you got to – you start really early in the morning because the heat gets to you. And so every aid station, my coach – uh, my coach now, even then too, same person, uh, Anna, she made sure, you know, hey, here's the goal. You know, for me, it was to keep my heart rate low. So I think once my heart rate was kind of spike up too high, then I know that's when I get, you know, you exert more energy. It's hot. It's kind of a, you know, a double-edged sword in that case. And so the goal was to kind of have my heart rate in the 150s or less as much as I could do that and then grab ice at every aid station. So I go to every aid station, get grab a bag of ice, either put it in my hat or put it inside my pack, keep myself cool. And so that was probably the best, I think, strategy in terms of keep myself cool. Plus I was really hydrated for most of the race. And so I figured, I think my goal was, under 13 maybe or something like that i think i did that in yeah 12 20 something and i think i was seventh overall so the best part about that race though in my view was i went down to the aid station the long road the last time in the second lap and i was going down there i saw a couple of runners going up as i was going downhill i was like oh man i'm gonna try to catch those guys i get down to the aid station i told my wife was there and a few other friends i was like i'm gonna catch those guys up there and they said oh you're gonna try to catch them like no i'm going to catch those people so I eventually passed those two other runners on the back on the uphill and I really get, you know, in the top 10 spot, but it's a fun one though. If you want some beautiful scenery, but also really hot conditions, it's worth it. Me and heat do not mix. <laughs> <laughs> I swear every, every time I go to a race, it's like the record setting heat that for that race. And I'm just like, why, what, what did I do? Right. <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, the heat, I mean, I've, I mean, I feel like people think of like Hawaii, like, oh my gosh, you should be acclimated to the heat in America because you run in all the time, which is like, I, I think it's kind of an unfair statement because I mean, here, I mean, you have the, the heat in itself, but also the humidity. I mean, yesterday during the half marathon that I ran, I mean, it was, it rained that morning of, and so it was super humid most of the time. But for the Peacock though, that was the first race I've, and the only race to date where I've thrown up because, you know, I just was not feeling too well. Yeah. And so I think it's a mixture of the heat and a lot of sugary drinks and treats. So that wasn't a great combo either. So but, did you, you ran that one uh, in prep for uh hurt or did you not know that you were in hurt yet? So that was a prep one. Yeah. So the hurt 100, the lottery is always in between like end of July, early August. So actually, I think the, it opens up, I think this week, 20, 20 something, the 25th or whatever. So yeah, once I yeah, applied and then I got, the selection uh, day was in August. And so I was actually at the Brooks running uh, uh, camp run happy last year. And I was on my, I was just hanging out with some friends there and I got a bunch of texts and messages saying that I got in. And so that was when the kind of, and then I figured, okay, I'll start September one. That's when the, the race or those training cycle will start. And so my coach Anna had me do the peacock as a good training run. Just to kind of get that mileage in get the elevation. Cause that the peacock is you know, 55 miles and, well over two thousand, uh, well over twelve thousand feet of elevation gain, and so wow. it's kind of a good, like, a good measurement of how you think you can do for um for the hundred mile in that January. So I did that, kind of making sure, okay, keep as a good like test run with a you know stay you do with like blisters or eating your hydration, and so definitely a big learning curve for me there because I think my hydration was good to go. I think the big thing I learned was one, not too much sugar is going to make me blow up really badly easily and get me sick, and then my blisters are pretty bad. I had some really not pretty bad blisters on the heels by the end of that race. So that was a good kind of lesson learned. Okay. Here's what you need to do to kind of prep for the next time. Cause 
no one wants to have blister issues, you know, for 65, 80 miles and a hundred miler. Yeah. Yeah. So walk, walk us, uh, walk us through the hurt 100. I know that's a, uh, it's a race that's on a lot of people's, uh, radar, but I honestly don't know too many people that have ever attempted it or completed it. So, um, let's give the, uh, let's give the listeners a little bit of, uh, insight into hurt. So yeah, the Hurt 100, yeah, the Hawaiian ultra running team. Uh, so if you ever want to hear about the history about the Hurt community and the Hurt 100 itself, you go you go to hurt100.com. There's a really cool documentary. It's also on YouTube. It's called Rooted, R-O-O-T-E-D. And it tells you the whole story of how the Hurt series and Hurt 100 came about. And so, so yeah, in August, you know, I applied for the race in, I think it was end of uh, July of last year. And in August of last year, they had the selection process. And there's only about, I think it's a hundred and I think 140 people get selected every year. So it's a pretty small, and it, you, so it's, you know, you have different selection groups. You have those who get guaranteed ones from last year who are top three male and female. Then you have like the veterans one. So people who have ran it, I think five times or more, they're bucketed in one area. Then you have, um, I think it's like, everyone else that's done it, so whether you've done it less than five times or never done it before, you're in that kind of, that bucket of people that get selected and the board members select uh, their own, This I think they have their own number of tickets they give out to, I think it's like 10 or so. But the book of her kind of gives you on the website too, gives you all the information on that. And so, yeah, I applied for it, got in in August, said September 1, all right, going to go from there. Is it pretty rare uh, for you to get in on the first try? I think so. I think my chances were probably maybe five or seven, five or seven percent to get in Wow. based on like the tickets. Cause you get like Kukui nuts. It's like Hawaii thing. So you get like a Kukui nut or a ticket for, you know, certain things for being like living in Hawaii, you get a Kukui nut every year you apply, you get a Kukui nut and stuff like that. So I think I only, I think I had, yeah, five to seven percent chance of getting in. So very, very slim. I figured eh, if I don't get in, I'm just going to you know, accrue and pace people. So got in and then, yeah, did the peacock as a training run actually rolled my ankle pretty badly the day before my first week of my training started. Oh, no. So that was a pretty, but luckily it turned, all turned out fine. So yeah, basically, so here 100 each. So I had my coach and basically the goal was, you know, I figured my goal would be between, you know, anything under 32 hours, I think would be pretty respectable. I think obviously the main goal was to finish, but my A goal at the time was 32 or under. And so yeah, every weekend was kind of, you know, the long runs, whether back to back or just like really solid big builds. The Stairmaster became my best friend during training. My coach had me really <laughs> working on strength. She kind of told me, we know you can run a lot. We got to see if we can get your strength going. So I spent a lot of time in the gym on base at Pearl Harbor to kind of get my legs going. A lot of step-ups and Stairmaster and stuff like that. And I will—I was never a big advocate of strength training. I thought it was a, the dumbest thing back as a road runner. I would say that would that could make up for a lot of extra miles on your legs if you wanted to switch between doing strength training for a day versus doing like a 10 mile run. I am a huge advocate of the strength versus just piling on mileage. If you had to choose one or the other based on your time constraints and stuff. And so yeah, went into the new, so I did the Honolulu marathon. It's like kind of another training one where I did that race that did about like four or five miles on the trail afterwards to kind of do that double kind of impact on the legs. Then January came around and it's usually the, the weekend of, of MLK day is usually when the race is. So goes from like the Saturday to the Sunday. The race has a, I think it's a 36 hour cutoff. I think it is now or 35, one of the two. And so basically everyone starts at the same time. 
on that Saturday and you got to finish by, you know, midday the next day, essentially. And then, uh, so it's really cool to be there again, like only 140 plus runners. And so I had like the week of, I was, you know, trying to be super, you know, good about, you know, keeping, you know, everything's all organized. I had a bunch of like bins for all my drop bags, essentially. Uh, my coach and her other athletes, we all had like kind of big team meeting the week before to kind of go over strategy and kind of say, Hey, here's what you should, I recommend doing. Cause she's, she's pretty awesome. She's won the her 100 top female. She's came in second before. So she knows the trail like in and out and knows kind of what to expect. And it was also my first hundred mile where I would say that, which is a pretty, pretty crazy. Cause I never, that's one yeah. that's pretty daunting. I think about people. Yeah. You opened my friend up hard. <laughs> yeah. Cause my friend Andrea, who did a big horn, she also did the hurt 100. And I remember asking her after the race, I was like, is big horn harder and easier than hurt? And she goes, Oh, much easier. Hurts <laughs> pretty, people will say hurts pretty crazy. Yeah. And so yeah, did a lot of research in terms of, like, okay, what I'm going to do for nutrition, tried out a lot of different things during the training cycle, bought a bunch of toad socks because that was the main thing I think were my, my nutrition and my feet were the two things I had to make sure I kind of kept it on par. And so I had, Yep. So it went pretty well leading up to it. Nothing. All, it was all healthy to go. And actually the week before I felt like I had a bunch of aching pains and I was like, Anna, I feel like everything hurts and I'm walking. I, I don't know if I can do this. It's crazy. hundred miles is like too much for me. Hurts are really insane. Like I'm not going to be able to do it. And she kept like telling me, don't worry about it. It's just like the pre-race jitters. You'll be fine. Stuff like that. So you just go in there and do what you can. And so yeah, the morning of, again, it's like given it's Hawaii, it's a very kind of like, a lot of spiritual Hawaiian things are kind of built into it. So you get to the race, you know, morning of, and yes, when you get your bib and everything like that, and you get your, um, your Hawaii, your hurt 100 bracelet that you have on there. And they, uh, they take these green bracelets and they dump them in the, this koa wood bowl. That's from this water from the stream nearby. So you dip your bracelet in there for good luck before you go on your race. And that's how you kind of start the race essentially. And so it was really cool. Actually, Candace, for those who don't know the one who ran, you know, a 50 K for, however number of days she did she actually was at the race too so it's kind of cool seeing her extend that that streak during you no know, the hurt 100 is pretty crazy she you know, ran the race and kept her streak going yeah that's super so <laughs> but it was pretty i mean the race is insane cause, i mean the way i looked at it was okay the first rate the first lap is you know you take it easy you want to make sure you don't exhaust yourself too much second lap will probably be the hottest one because you know be the peak of the day for the sun then once the sun goes down, the third loop is kind of like, all right, get your first pacer in. Cause usually you don't, you don't get your first pacer, I believe until your third lap started, or I want to say 12 hours. So either way, usually by the third lap, you'll get a pacer in there. And the fourth lap is, you know, kind of the one you just got to keep pushing to the nighttime. And the fifth lap is the party lap. Yep, you just got to have victory. there have fun and kind of you finish that. So it was good. Though. I mean, yeah, I figured the first lap was going pretty well. I remember... <laughs> I told I figured for the heart loops against it's five mi- five loops of 20 miles more or less. And each lap has about five over 5,000 feet of elevation. So you have overall, it's about 25,000 plus feet of gain and very, very technical. I would say compared and I've only seen big horn 100. I haven't seen that many other hundred mile um, courses, but I would say this one's probably one of the mo- most technical courses I could see out there. I mean, you're going, over roots, rocks, you're climbing down some sections, you have ropes in some areas, stream crossings. I mean, it's also, it's gorgeous at the same time though, but it's a very technical race where power hiking becomes a very good, uh, good skill to have in this race for the mm-hmm. most part. And so as soon as the race starts, I mean, the beginning of each lap, you start off with a good, probably a good 700 foot climb for the first 
a mile or actually less than a mile, probably three quarters of a mile is a good 700 feet climb. And so did the first lap I was coming down for the, the first lap I had about two miles up until I got to the main aid station. And so I get, I get to the, the, the valley before I was going to meet up with the, uh, my crew. I looked at my watch and I was going way too fast for, I thought it was too fast to my coach. I was like, Oh my gosh, and it's going to kill me if I, uh, <laughs> if I come in this fast. So I started walking a little bit and then I got to the aid station. And I was like, you had to walk the last few laps. I know you yell at me, but it was good though. Had uh, all the crew people help me out with my food and stuff like that. Went back up. Second lap was good. I kept myself cool. No issues in the second lap. I did feel the blisters coming on though pretty early on. So I think I dealt with blister stuff for probably a good 70 miles or more on the race, which is a little unfortunate, but you enter the pain cave for a reason. And then, yep. Third loop, uh, got my first pacer, my buddy, Brian, who has also done the race before he had me in good spirits. It's kind of kept me going. So it was pretty fun to kind of talking story and having good chats and stuff like that. I was feeling pretty low though for a little while. Just kind of like some GI issues. Couldn't really take down a lot of food. And then, uh, but did pretty well though. I figured, okay, three loops done. We're getting in there. Fourth loop, Andrea was going to pace me. And so she's been in the pacer for me before. So it's good to have her by my side and kind of just keep me in good spirits. And she made sure I kept eating every half hour and stuff. So that turned out pretty well. And then, yeah, the last loop, I get down. I was like, all right, you know, it's sun just came up. This is where the party kind of starts. And so my team had me at three different pacers. The last, uh, the last loop, my buddy Al had me to the first aid station in Manoa. And, uh, or no, Brian was the first one to Manoa A station. And then my buddy Al had me from Manoa to uh, Judd, the second kind of section of the course. And my wife Hannah did the last section back to the, the finish line. So did pretty good. I, the last loop was my second fastest loop of the day. It was like five, maybe 530 something, 540 something. So it was a pretty fast loop, I think, overall. And yeah, I finished in, I think it was 29 hours and 10 minutes. I was, uh, I think 13th overall. So exceeded my expectations by a lot, but it was awesome that you get down to that last Valley and you get to the section, all the cheering happens. You ring that bell, you kiss the sign and you get those lays and you're hundred mile finisher. Nice. That's super cool. So uh, um, on course, is there anything that's, uh, you know, different about the hurt that would be, you know, different from a, a normal i wouldn't say a normal 100 miler but because no mm -hmm. no 100 miler is normal but you know your typical let's say bighorn western states type thing is there anything like the food wise on the course or anything like that something different yeah so i'd say terrain wise i, I definitely think it's more technical than what you would think i mean anyone who does i think anyone who does under 24 hours that's a very fast time i think there's only been a small number of people who've done that i think gary robbins has the the fastest time and he did under 20 hours, which is like, that's incredibly fast for like for any hundred mile or in general, but for the hurt 100 where it's a lot of times you got a really power hike. I mean, it's, that's pretty crazy. So I think the technical terrain is pretty challenging where, because you I mean you're doing a lot of hills, you're going a lot of routes where you can't really run, run, because if you do, you can break an ankle easily. I mean, I've, there were definitely a number of people who definitely had to roll their ankles and kind of during the, even the past time and probably previous years, Plus, it really hurts your time limit. I mean, for the Hurt 100, the averaging finishing rate for that race is 40%. So you just got to think 100, 140 runners, you'll have probably 50 of those folks are probably finished. And that's a, a good year. Wow. So that's kind of like the big challenge. So terrain's a big issue. But the food itself, I would say, again, I've only seen a few ultras in general. But for the compared to other ones I've seen and heard about, I think the Hurt 100's food is like five-star dining. 
You yeah. get locally made stuff. I mean, you get in there and you get you get some of the coolest and the most delicious food you'll get. It's pretty sweet because even like um, uh, like a lot of the foods like homemade from people. So one of the main guys who kind of runs some of the races, Freddie, and he's one of the big A stations in Judd, which is the the third one you get the last one you get to before you get back to the main aid station and the nature center. He always has this like gourmet like buffet of food he preps like during the week of um, the Manoa aid station. Uh, the first one you hit when you're on the course, it's all pirate themed, by the way, too. So it's like, you know, so basically you go to that, basically you go to that aid station and it's like all pirate themed. People are in all pirate costume. It looks oh, like a pirate cool. ship. It's pretty cool. But the food there is really good, too. It's pretty delicious. And the same thing with the nature center where you start and finish each lap. And the food's pretty phenomenal. I mean, you can get rice balls, you get your usual, you know, your quesadillas and stuff like that. But so like locally kind of like Hawaiian dishes you can get. I mean, you'll never, if, even if you volunteer for the race, which I highly recommend you do. If you come here, you don't race, you just want to either pace or crew and volunteer. You get fed very well. The food's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I wish I had the stomach to eat more. I was, I'd be curious to see how much food I actually ate during that race because I did not fuel enough for it. But I mean, the food there is phenomenal. I think that's a pretty cool thing. But this is cool being in Hawaii. I mean, the fact that you can just kind of, it's a very international race too. I think I, I think I met people from, there was definitely some Canadians. There's some folks from England. I think someone from Switzerland at some point. It's like a large number of international runners who come to a lot of folks from Japan. I think some from Korea too. So it's kind of cool kind of running with all those different you know nationalities and kind of seeing their experiences and just seeing a lot of friends do. I mean, cause for us, it's like, it's like a hometown race. I mean, I run on that trail, you know, almost multiple times a week. And so it's like home to me. It's just kind of cool being out there and just kind of taking, taking it all in and just enjoying yourself and knowing this, this is like one of the most kind of special places out there. Yeah, for sure. What is the, uh, what, what's the temperatures like? Oof, question. I would say, so in January, it's like the winter time here, obviously, but it's still pretty cool. I'd still say you're running for most of the time in the eighties. Maybe if it's like a, a breezy time, you probably get the high seventies, but nighttime it's, it's pretty cool. I'd say it's probably in the, high to mid 70s at nighttime so there's there's never any in my view never a point where you need to wear a bunch of layers unless it's downpouring in the rain or something crazy for the most part but i mean i for my race strategy i always change shoes socks and shirts every lap just to kind of feel drier on the up top obviously and then just to make sure that you know no kind of you know chafing issues and then keeping the feet good to go and so yeah the thing the most biggest part i think is Weather-wise, I mean, it's probably hot for most people. I think the second lap again is probably the hottest lap because it's the hottest part of the day. And you're probably running between you know noon and six for most people is when you're running that lap. And so when you get that part down, you know that's kind of a big factor. But I think the main issue for people when it comes to weather, it's not the heat; it's just like the humidity. Maybe it's raining at some point. I mean, you're just going to be sweating a lot more because obviously your feet get wet, which leads to blisters and then chafage and stuff like that. So. I think the biggest challenge for folks, it would be just for my, my, my advice to people would be make sure, you know, you have, you know, change of socks and clothes because that can be a kind of a, a lose-lose situation there for the most part. Yeah. I, th- I think it's funny. They always say it's not the heat they get you. It's the humidity. <laughs> yeah. And even, even yesterday, the half I did, I mean, again, it's probably, it's pretty hot in general, but the humidity definitely plays a really big factor in it. Cause I mean, you don't think about it, but I mean, you're surrounded by like Hawaiian jungle terrain and everything is kind of like envelopes in you essentially with all the heat and stuff i have to ask did they have spam at the aid stations 
They did. I'm, I'm pretty sure they did. I'm a, I'm a vegan, so I don't eat any of that stuff, unfortunately. But they had like everything. I think they probably had bacon. They had probably some spam musubis. Uh, I'm trying to think why some good things they had. They had some really good like kind of bean kind of or like, tacos and stuff like that, or like at least avocado tacos or quesadillas. Um, remember the one thing that I had. I mean, this is not like recommended in my view because like you, unless it's your last lap, it's fine. But in the last lap, I had like a really nice like mango smoothie. The last stations I got to the finish, and that I mean that thing probably has like ten calories, so like nothing great when you're <laughs> terms of, like getting energy. But I was like, oh man, like I just need something that just tasted so good to me. But I just like kept telling my coaches like, yeah, I just like can't eat anything. And in hindsight, I think it was some of the the liquid calories, the the mix I was using. I don't think was great for me. I think there was something to do with that particular brand that kind of was a uh, was kind of giving me some GI issues. But I definitely did not. I mean, I think I relied mostly on gels, like spring energy and stuff like that. It kind of kept me going. Were you drinking but, I mean, hammer? The, no, I was actually doing, um, <laughs> no, I've not done hammer before. Tailwind for a little while. I think I did that. And I did, um, you can were the two main ones. Oh, okay. And so then, then I did scratch because I think, uh, scratch or hurt sponsors scratch or vice versa. And most of the races, I, I did some scratch later on, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think I would say, majority a high majority of my calories are probably from gels i think unfortunately that was the case it really i mean it really shouldn't be that way especially the guy like me who weighs like you know 10 pounds soaking wet <laughs> well um what, what's next on your on your docket so yeah, right now so i'll keep doing some of the trail races here from the hurt series so after after yesterday's they have um a 22 miler in august the mono willy uh, 22 miler, which is my favorite race out here besides the hurt one. Cause it's a really beautiful course. And the trail that is on that where the race occurs is usually pretty in pretty bad shape. Most of the years, it's just really overgrown and not a lot of folks go out there, whether it's hiking or running. So I'll do that one again this year. Cause it's a really fun one. And it's just an always good time with the hurt crew. And then, uh, they have a, another one out here called triple Trek, which happens every September. It's in the same, same Valley as where the hurt 100 happens is this shorter distance. So I think it's about eight or nine uh, miles per loop. So you do about 25, 27 miles for the race. And so that was the one where I busted my ankle last year. So I want to be able to kind of finish it this year. But the main thing I'm training for is uh, it's a trail race in Korea, 120K with about 30,000 feet of elevation. And that one's in uh, late October. So, That's a yeah. beast, 30,000 feet of elevation. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I figure for me, style. yeah, yeah. I figure for me, I'm probably better or more kind of more better at overall the uh, the higher um, elevation gain races versus the flatter ones. I can definitely run pretty fast, more or less. But I think I kind of better at overall the the, the more elevation gain, the better for me. I think that's how I kind of do better overall, kind of the standings wise. So my wife and I were trying to do Korea for our honeymoon years ago, but it was with COVID, and so we figured I'll do it this year and make it kind of like a race vacation or runcation. So we'll do, she's doing one of the, it's called Ulju Nine Peaks. And so it's just between like Busan and uh, Ulsan in uh, the Yongnam Alps in, in South Korea. And so the Nine Peaks is the, the 30,000 foot one. And then she's doing the, I think she's doing the Five Peaks, which is about a marathon distance. And I think it still has like 11,000 feet of elevation gain. So it's pretty cool. It's a lot of like up and down. So obviously it's, you know, Nine Peaks, you go up nine mountains and back down. It's a kind of a big giant loop. And so that's what I'm training for now. I got a few goals of mine. I'm not sure if they're too ambitious, but I mean, we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, you see some of those uh, Asian runners, and they're they're extreme, extreme runners. They're really good, and so I'd be uh, I'd be excited to see how they how they turn out at a race like that. Yeah, it's very different from even like in the states here, because I mean, even some of the Japanese runners that ran her, I mean, it's very minimalist. They had, I mean, versus my pack, which is probably heavier than it probably needed to be. I mean, a lot of those runners from like you know Asia and who do those kind of trail circuits. They have like very minimalist backpacks. I mean, they don't really carry a lot with them. And even for the the career race that I'm doing, there's like definitely like a list of like the things you have to have with you. So it's like, you know, I think the A stations is a little bit different. You're not going to have, like you, the race directors require you to carry like certain things with you, kind of like more of a safety issue. But I think it's like, you know, versus here in the, in the States, I think you can go a pretty easy way without having to carry a lot of like, you know, safety stuff because there's just so many A stations within a distance. Whereas I think the ones like in Asia and those circuits, they kind of rely you to carry your own stuff with you or you can't really race essentially. It's just kind yeah. of different. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. I have looked at a couple of them, but you know, the logistics of getting over there is, is sometimes kind of crazy, but, um, but they do have some really cool ones. I I've climbed Mount Fuji and then that was before I was oh, really, nice. really a, uh, you know, an ultra runner. Now that I see that they have, you know, they have a hundred miler out there. I was like, man, that'd be cool to go do, but it was kind of crazy hiking up it. I can't imagine running up it. <laughs> yeah. We were going to do Japan with our trip too, but yeah, it's, it's too much to do in like a two week span. And, and I think so I guess they also cl- closed Mount Fuji after September because of like the weather conditions. So yeah. maybe that'll be a next year thing, but I think it'd be kind of cool. Like if we do, you know, vacations once a year, especially when you're in your Hawaii, I mean, same distance to Japan here than is the California. So it's like, yeah. why not just do that? So maybe next year we'll try to do a, a ultra in Japan. Cause I mean, it's kind of cool just doing something different. I mean, love the trails in Hawaii in, here in Hawaii. It's always kind of fun to kind of see what the other kind of parts of the world have to offer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what kind of gear are you using? See, I Brooks is my, is my go-to I think for, for trail running. And my main shoe is uh, the Cascadia series. It has a good enough grip for me where I don't have to slip and slide here in Hawaii because I mean, it rains here so often. You got to have a good grip on the trails. So I'd say that Cascadia is for the trails and for the road. When I do do road running, uh, the Hyperion series is like my go-to. I, they're very light and fast, but they're really kind of always really stylish too. And so I usually try to go for the bright color shoes. So I figure if I can't run fast, I might as well look stylish. <laughs> That's exactly what I, I have pink ones. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure people can pick you out in the, the giant group of people when you're going by you oh i guarantee you people have no problem picking me out when i'm at a i'm at a race <laughs> or just running in general <laughs> what kind of pack and stuff are you wearing oh so yeah so I, my original one is an, is an osprey one i've had that for gosh i got that one back in the mainland because i was actually going to do a, a 50 miler in northern virginia before moving out here but then i like had an injury so i never end up doing it. So I use an, an Osprey pack and that one's definitely kind of getting towards its end of life. I mean, there's definitely some rips in it where I feel like one wrong, like snag and like a branch, <laughs> I'm going to have one less, uh, you know, one less side of it, I guess. So I have that I use. And then for the longer ones, I just got, um, uh, what is it? A Solomon one. I think it's like a skin four or something like that. Okay. So I have that one for more of the shorter races because I can just put the two flasks in there and it's a lot kind of a tighter grip because i was kind of a thinner frame so i like to have it kind of close to my chest for the most part yeah that one's pretty good and then 
as for me and for those who run ultras who do any kind of nighttime running, a Kogala uh, night belt is probably the greatest investment for any, in my view, of any ultra. I remember when I was training for Hurt 100, I was like, I'm going to carry a sneaking like flashlight or a headlamp this entire time. I can barely see out here. And then my coach said, okay, get one of these Kogala, you know, these light belts are really, really good. And I tell you, but when you have that thing on, like in pitch black and you turn it on, it's like running in daytime. I probably yeah. saved myself a good hour plus at the Hurt 100 because I had that thing. Because like literally I had no issue like going over tree branches or roots or rock boulders and stuff like that. That's always kind of a cool thing. I, I think it's also super lightweight. I mean, the battery packs are kind of an issue, I think, for some people. But if you get the small ones, you just swap them out. I mean, I don't think it's that bad of an issue. Yeah, I've been running one since I've been in ultra running is a Kogala. They're, they're phenomenal. Yeah, it's definitely a good investment. Well, uh, we always ask our guests, who is someone that has inspired you? It doesn't necessarily have to be in ultra running. It could be anything. Who's someone that may have a cool story that, you know, that inspires you and keeps you going? Well, I'm really friends, good friends with Scott Jurek. I don't know if you've heard of him before. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I would say, um, I think some, some folks, I think in terms of a, in the road scene, my friend Julie back from uh, the DC area, I met her in, through Instagram, just kind of like, you know, saying hi to each other. And then randomly when I was coaching for a team and training, I remember she, I, she ran past me one time and she like yelled out my, my Instagram handle name. And I was like, yeah, it's me. That's how we became <laughs> friends basically from there. And so she's one of my really good friends from there. And she's super awesome. I mean, she's kind of like a good example of, you know, a mom who works a full-time job, has two kids who are pretty sure they're all like both are under six years old or something like that. Two young kids, you know, a working husband and still it can pop out a 245 marathon without wow. an issue in my view. So she's a pretty cool person to kind of just hear her story and stuff like that. And then for the trail world out here, I think, my coach Anna, she's pretty. She's a pretty cool story. You know, being a former Marine, um, you know, winning the Hurt 100 a couple of years ago, and now she's been uh, taking more on the, coach, the the coaching scene. And so she coached myself and I think it was three other athletes during the Hurt 100. And two of those, so out of those four athletes, um, three of them were first time Hurt 100 fin- or first time doing the Hurt 100. And we all and all four of us finished, and two of the four were. Uh, two podium finishes so wow this kind of shows you how good of a coach she is for that and she's my coach now too so she's got me prepped for korea but yeah i think she i forget which year it was on this it's the year she won it or the year she came in second place that she she ran with a broken arm so oh she's a, she's one tough chick so she's pretty cool <laughs> uh, to kind of hear her stories and she just yeah just knows how to get out there and you know get in the pain cave and just you know push through it all cool cool yeah we'll have to reach out to one of them they both sound really interesting well, we'll give you a minute to uh, give a shout out and uh, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so um, I'm mainly mostly on Instagram for the most part. I'm Aaron Richards 9 If you like anything that's related to running or just pictures of Hawaii or pictures, pictures of my dog, then I'm the right <laughs> place to go to. And so I always joke with my wife that the second best trail runner in this household is my dog. It's 15-pound <laughs> miniature pincher. <laughs> So, but yeah, you can find me on there. You know, I'm always, I usually post about either running or in the mountains and, you know, Hawaii stuff and, you know, just kind of living my best life out here. You know, who knows you know, how many years I'll we'll be here for, if it's forever, if it's, you know, five or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I'm always looking to connect us to kind of meet new people. If you're out here in Hawaii, always hit me up. I you know, always give um, good recommendations for, you know, 
family friendly things where it's you know going to certain beaches, you know, hiking, you know, great restaurants to go by. I'm definitely a big foodie when it comes to stuff like that. But it's going to other islands too. I can give good, pretty good recs there. You want to get, come here to run? Your inbox about to get blown up. <laughs> oh man, trust me. I have like I have word documents of like every island of the things I have done oh, that cool. I always have saved. So friends and family who come out and visit here, I always kind of say, hey, here's the things to do for like a two day or a week long thing. Give you kind of some inputs there. And or if you just want to come out here to run, I give you some good uh, tips on that. If you want to come running with me, I'm definitely down for that too. So highly recommend visiting Hawaii. Hawaii was never on my radar in terms of visiting before I moved out here. And now I think it should be everyone's because it's a, it's a pretty special place when it comes to just like the scenery and the things you can do, plus kind of like the Hawaii history and culture. It's pretty special. I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> we have helicopters flying over. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Hey, um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and giving uh, a little bit of insight on uh, Hurt and congrats on your, uh, your top 10 finish. Um, can't wait to see what you, uh, what you're able to accomplish here on out. Yeah. Thanks guys for having me out here. It's uh, good to talk to you both and a great podcast. I remember listening to this a few times when I was flying back from Bighorn and yeah, I really appreciate what you guys are doing, kind of spreading the word about, you know, the ultra scene and kind of like, you know, the average Joe and kind of their great stories. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks guys.